The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson with you. Andre Salveson in tow as well. Talking about the weekend that was Utah State football, Utah State basketball, both in the news today. USU with their win over Nevada, now preparing for Air Force. Before we start to get into the know and uh, find out what's going on with the Falcons, we'll recap what happened with the Wolfpack first and also look to uh, the preseason rankings that are out in the Associated Press for college basketball. So uh, those are the big things we're going to tackle this hour. Uh, last hour, we talked about high school sports. We talked about the World Series, the NFL. If you missed any of that and want to go back and listen to it, podcasts available at 1069thefan.com and wherever you can subscribe to podcasts, at least the, the major players that uh, you can subscribe to podcasts. That's where we are. But the big thing to uh, lead off with... Oh, hi, IJ. Thanks for joining us. You don't care. You're, uh, you know, we start at five o'clock, right? Oh, sorry. I was helping out our listeners by going to post, post hour one of our podcast. Oh. So those who have missed it, they can listen to it. Where can they find it? Well, they can find it on all podcast platforms if they were listening just barely at the five o'clock hour. Like what I just said? Yes. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. By the way, so what? In fact, one guy tweeted. We saw one guy uh, tweeted out Arizona Aggie, how he's thrilled with all the Aggie content he can get. Uh, he was able to listen to the Jim Lobb interview. Uh, he's able to listen to all our Aggie podcasts, all our Aggie work, uh, and it's good for them. It's good for everybody who's an Aggie fan outside of the valley, outside of the state. That they can be able to get all the Aggie content that we can give them. We got a shout out on the uh, KVNU Aggie call the other night. Oh, we did. Yeah, good. So, somebody appreciates the all the. All the work that everybody here in the building is doing yeah. to get fans yeah, in the know everybody, yep. in preparation for the different opponents. Have you guys so. thought about, here is a good idea for you, Eric. I want to make you better at what you do. Okay? I love ideas that can help me be better at what I can do, AJ. Have you thought about posting your pre and post games on our podcast? On our podcast? Yeah. Just posting on there is related. Uh, they know they appear material. on uh, KVNU posts podcast. Oh, okay, cool. Their content. Oh, okay. I believe it's there. I'm not sure. I'll ask. Uh, by the way, just breaking news, Eric. We have the ABC breaking news bumper. You probably don't, so I'm gonna have to go ahead and just make one up. Are you ready? In three, in two, in one. Wait, no, wait. Okay, um, I'll wait. Oh, I closed it. You, you gotta quit doing that, Eric. It wasn't what you were thinking it was. Bum, 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 All right, breaking news. Adrian Wozranowski, the bomb himself, has just announced that Utah Jazz forward Joe Ingles has agreed to a one-year $14 million extension, keeping him under contract with the franchise through 2021-22. Uh, that's uh, according to his agent, Mark Burlstein, who that little rat is also Gordon Hayward's agent. So... Thank you, Mark, for not screwing us over a second time. Yo, I'm Joe. Give me some more. Three balls. Down. Mm. Filling it. In the corner. 
36%. No more. Bump it up to 56. Snyder's got my back. I don't slack. From deep. For keep. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that, was, that was a nice little freestyle you had going on there. <laughs> Didn't know what to do. <laughs> My name's Audrey Stiles. I'm intimidating like Mickey Mouse. More unpopular than Ronda Rouse in the house without the blouse. <laughs> wow. Are you impressed? Uh, Jazz making a couple different uh, items of note this weekend. Quinn Snyder. Yeah, also Jazz extended his contract. Uh, Joe Ingles, uh, Jazz also announced, I don't know if this is a big deal, but they announced Has it been so wait, what their was this? Fight, Five for the Fight. It's going to be their patch again. Cool. Which, you know, it's a it's a really cool yeah. thing yeah, it's, that a business will spend that kind of money just- It's meaningful. Not to promote themselves. Obviously, they get the promotion because it's a cool thing. People talk about it, but it's really, it's, uh, it's uh, directing dollars towards cancer research. Uh, hey, so that's first contract that Joe Ingles signed- was that only three years? Has it been that long since Gordon left? Wait, Gordon left in 17, right? Or begin before the 17 season? So 17, 18, 19. Because if that ex- puts him through 2001, 22, that was only a two or three year contract? No. He's been with the Jazz longer than that. Well, yeah, but the new contract he signed for 60 million. In oh, so his original, yeah, his original was only like a two or three year deal. Yeah. But, huh, yeah. That's, that's, because I know he had, so, because I know the, for when he first came to Utah, they took his contract from the Clippers and just kept it as is. Then they extended it in 17 for 60 million, but I didn't know how many years. It was only three years. 21, 20, yeah, it was only three years. Wow, I had no idea. Uh, Jazz also released their official roster. Oh, did they announce the fifteenth man? Yeah, uh, William Howard got waived. Oh, he did, huh? So who they keep? That is it. The kid, kid, the uh, Staten kid, the kid, kid. I shut up, <laughs> Mister Astros versus Houston's. <laughs> like I have any place. Yeah, they keep Stanton Kid. Uh, Th- that'd be my guess. Because I knew right former was a two way player. So they had to add in one guy on the roster. I'm wondering if it's him. It's got to be. Here, I'll find it quicker than you do. Jeez. I'm trying to find this. My thing. heck. Well, I'm trying to remember who tweeted it out earlier. Well, I just, I'll do it for you. Oh, it'll be the Utah Here's Jazz. Daddy. Account. Here it is. Yep, it is. It's Stan Kidd. He's the 15th man on the roster, according to Tony Jones. Yeah, that wasn't hard. Uh, they wave. Yeah, as we mentioned. Haas, Lawrence the second, and Scott. Um, then they announced today they waved uh, William Howard. Dude, don't you love how they waved somebody who like, nobody knew was on the roster? I care. It was like some Lawrence guy. And they waved him on Saturday, I believe, and nobody like 
half the media didn't even know he was on the roster. <laughs> They're like, wait, so I guess we waved this guy, but we didn't even know he's on the team. So, by the way, uh, they've also done the official measurements because they want to get the official measurements of players without shoes. On. Right. This is a new thing with the NBA. Bingo. So, Mitchell, here we go. Here's how what we got some of who we got. Mitchell, who was originally listed as 6'3", is now 6'1". We're going to get back to that in just a moment. Dante Exum, who was originally 6'6", is now 6'5". Joe Ingles was 6'8", now 6'7". Mike Conley, six foot straight up. That hasn't changed. Royce O'Neal, who was 6'6", is now 6'4". Rudy Gobert is still 7'1". Emmanuel Mudiay, who was 6'5", is now 6'3". So, can we just get back to Mitchell being 6'1 and doing what he does at the rim? <laughs> That's incredible, isn't it? Like, dude, he's 6'1", and he's doing what, I mean... And I love Donovan Mitchell tweeted out, this is what it means. 6'1 means I just jump higher. Dante, uh, you're good. Conley, oh my gosh. Joe Ingles was never 6'8", so that's not new. Rudy <laughs> Gobert is just abnormal. Buckets O'Neal, you're a liar, bro. Flat out liar. And Emmanuel Holiday seems legit. Yeah, it was funny to see uh, Donovan get into this. And then he, <laughs> Royce O'Neal took umbrage uh, with it. But um, Tony Jones said, don't forget that 6'11 wingspan. And Roy said, yeah, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, it's without shoes, and so it's supposed to be more accurate. Um, but Tony Bradley, 6'10". Bojan Bogdanovic, he's 6'8". Ed Davis, he's 6'9". Jeff Green, he's 6'8". Uh, and Rudy Gobert, 7'1". So those, those are your big guys. George Niang, 6'7". So maybe a bit of an undersized stretch four. Um, but yeah, we were talking about Joe Ingles. So he has been in the league five seasons. So he's coming into his sixth year. And then the Jazz just extended him one more year. <laughs> Royce Neal says, man, that's crazy. Where y'all come up with these? I'm 6'6 six, six without shoes. <laughs> and then <laughs> you know what else is interesting Jeff Green has been in the league 11 seasons he's uh, coming into his 12th yeah he was he's older than Joe Ingles uh, but uh, by just a little bit oh almost a full year but uh, Joe Ingles is in his coming into his 6th season hmm yeah, uh, wow. That's crazy, actually. I didn't think about that. So both Joe Ingles, actually Joe Ingles and Mike Connolly's birthdays are close to each other. October 2nd for Joe Ingles, October 11th for Mike Connolly. Born in the same year, Mike Connolly's coming into his 13th season, Joe coming into his 6th. Just took him a little bit longer to find his way to the NBA. Do it. So you for I mean you Eric have of course heard the story about Joe Ingles finding his way into Utah right I mean so he had just got cut by the Clippers and um, his wife was flying into California he was going to meet her and and she didn't know yet that he had been cut yet and he was really kind of scared about what to do because he didn't think he was going to get back in the NBA or what he was going to do at this point 
um, after being cut by the Clippers and thought, man, if I can't make the Clippers team, where am I going to go? And then while he's waiting at the airport, he gets a call, and it's Utah Jazz, and he said, hey, we want to chat. So he, him and his wife went to Utah. He met with the uh, organization, and um, they liked him from the get-go. They loved him, and uh, they took him immediately. Quinn Snyder was a huge fan of him, and, uh, and the rest is history, obviously. What he has turned into now, what Quinn Snyder has turned him into is, is just incredible. Because he wasn't that effective with the Clippers. They found a way to make him and his skills be developed and be used in a productive way where he'd be a heavy contributor, not just a contributor, but a heavy contributor for this offense of the Utah Jazz. And, man, he's, God, he's been so much more than they could have expected. He's worth every penny they got for him. I remember I was at Media Day, and the fir- after the first year he was with the Jazz, he uh, – he gets off our headset and he's like, all right, I got to go see if I have a contract still. And we all kind of start laughing <laughs> and he stops and he turns around and goes, I'm actually serious. And he, he wasn't sure if he was going to get cut again. So he went back there and, and he's, you know, and obviously they, you know, they, they talked to him and, you know, and, and I guess I've heard, and this isn't official, but I've heard that in some of those meetings, like those who are waiting for a contract, they aren't going to get told there. They're just going to say, Hey, what would you like? What did you feel about the season? What are things you want to see improved? What did you think or things that work? Just kind of conversations like that. And they'll have it with the general manager, um, the team development staff, and, of course, the head coach. And, uh, again, you know, Joe walks in there and he has this conversation, so he's probably still not really sure. And then he gets offered that $60 million contract, and he's like, oh, oh they do like me. But uh, yes, yeah, yes, they do like absolutely. You, he's he's been phenomenal. Like really quickly, I, I want to ask you your your thoughts on Quinn Snyder getting an extension and what he's done so far, Eric. I think it's great. Uh, it would I I think that this is going to be a really important year for him. He just got the contract extension. the The team went out and got a bunch of free agents. They've built a team that should be a really really good team. If it doesn't produce much, though. The, the Jazz will stick yeah. with Quinn Snyder. That's just the, the way they are. Yeah. And because he's a good enough coach to still be a pretty successful, make it to the playoffs. But is he going to go for a, you know, deep into the playoffs? Is he going to be a Western Conference contender? That's still to be determined. I don't think that if he's necessarily, if he's not, they're going to fire him. But the. Um, they they just gave him the contract extension, and I think it's a, it's a good contract extension. I think it's good to keep him here. I think he has grown, he's developed, he's molded a, a respectable program in the league, highly respected, as we talked about with the GM survey that came out last week. So I thought it was a great move to keep him in place. Yeah, I think he's been great. Uh, he's he's definitely intelligent. The players really respect him. Look, when you get someone like Mike Conley to come in and immediately like grasp on to Coach Snyder and be that high complimentary of him tells you a lot. says a whole lot about Coach Snyder in itself. Uh, intelligent. He's really well respected around the league, not just in the organization, but around the league. And that's and that's a big thing. And um, I couldn't be happier for Coach Snyder. And, and the, I think it's a great decision by the organization. And uh, But to go back to your point, Eric, there's a lot of pressure on him to go win this year. Not just to be first round, second round material, but be better than that. There's a lot of because look, now he's got the tools, now he's got the roster, 
Heaven forbid no one gets hurt. You know, everyone stays healthy. If that's the case, they, I mean, they are supposed to be in the Western Conference Finals. First round Would playoff be, team. Yeah. Home, home, wait, wait, say wait, say home team in the first round. Better way to say it. Home team in the first round. Yes. Which means you got to be a top four. Yes. But if you lose in the first round, it's a major, major disappointment. I don't care who you're playing. Uh, quickly, because I want to get to the Utah State stuff. But, um, you know, the NBA season begins tomorrow. I can't believe that. Right? Holy. Um, but Adam Silver is still doing major damage control. And uh, we've heard that it's been, the, the league has seen huge losses. As they should. Right. That's your fault. Things. Yeah. yeah, that's your fault. Um, but here was his message to players following the fallout with oh, China. No. It wasn't really two teams in an adversarial position or the teams in an adversarial position with the league. We all came together, both teams, coaches, all the staff that were in town, and we talked through it. And my point to the players was that we're partners. We have a huge investment in China. We've been at this for a long time. And how do you guys collectively feel about what we should do? And the consensus in the room was we're here to play games. We should play those games. And finally, what the current status is with the relationship with the NBA in China. Obviously, this has been a very difficult moment between the NBA and China. But the longtime friendship with Yao Ming, lots of people there. Obviously, there needs to be mutual respect on both sides, mutual respect for our system and respect for their system if we're going to play in their country. And, I, and my belief is we will, get on, we will get back on track. He's got to shut up. He's hurting himself. The more they continue to talk about it, the more that it, it becomes part of the news cycle. Because there's lots of people in China that don't have Twitter. They wouldn't have even known that Daryl Morey posted something. But whatever. It's happened. It's just bad, dude. And, and it's getting worse. That's the problem is that it's getting worse. Uh, and, and every time he talks, it's, it's not helping the situation Just, out. Just talk about this season. I get it. People keep asking him questions and he feels compelled to answer those questions. Let's just talk basketball. Yeah. Uh, speaking of basketball, there is, we've talked about some of the moves that have happened in the NBA. It feels like it's pretty wide open as to who might be able to get to the championship this year. And uh, Adam Silver talked a little bit about some uh, competitive balance that's in the league right now. As a, a longtime fan and a longtime employee of the league, I actually don't remember a time going into a season where there was the sense that there was this much competitive balance. I mean, I've also learned you've got to play the games. And so, just as you said, there was a prohibitive favorite last year that didn't win the championship. So we'll see how it works, but it, it certainly looks great on paper going into the season. Jazz could be one of those teams. Yeah, no, they should be. Not could be, they should be. Again, they have all this talent. They're expected to be there. All right. Let's shift away from NBA talk. Let's talk Utah State stuff. Uh, Utah State football with a win over Nevada. Utah State men's basketball in the uh, AP Top 25. We'll discuss both. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press.
Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, Utah State with a nice win over the weekend. A win is a win. It wasn't always pretty the way that it was happening on the field, but Utah State got it done, 36-10 to over Nevada. And it took a while for the first offensive touchdown to be scored. Obviously, there was a nice kickoff return by Savon Scarver, setting a new record for kick returns. Brought back for touchdowns. Um, a little shaky for Jordan Love through stretches. Um, running game eventually got some big runs going late in the game as well. But um, as I said, a win is a win. And when it's in conference play, that's good. Nevada is a really undisciplined team. Every time they had something starting to go in their favor, go their way, they kept messing themselves up with penalties. Oh, sorry. Are you talking about the 13 for 110 yards? <laughs> that was, like when they get to the 25, they get a 10-yard penalty. When they get to the 15, it's a five-yard penalty. I mean, for, I mean, third and ones turned to third and six, which turned to fourth and 15 because there was a sack. Because look, when it's, when it's a third and medium – whether it's third and six or third and seven, you can send something at them, right? You can put a little pressure on that and risk what you got in the backfield. Um, and they did. And then they, they, they send the house, and Malik just wasn't ready for it. He And, and, and look, I'm just going to be flat-out blunt and honest. Malik Henry is not a good quarterback in Division One football. Nope. Like, send him back to Indy where he, I mean, freaking coach Jason, whatever he was, thinks he's the best quarterback since Joe Montana. But, <laughs> like, he, there is absolutely no way Malik... He was a one-read quarterback. Yeah, there is absolutely no way Malik Henry should be playing Division One football. And that is a dead-honest, blunt opinion. And it got really like old watching the broadcast how often they kept talking about Malik Henry. Like, they were trying to will him to do something good. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I heard the broadcast. It was pretty garbage. I didn't listen to it, obviously. But um, I heard it wasn't great. And, I mean, just some of the throws that Malik made were horrible. Now, granted, there's some that they dropped. Definitely. the re- Receivers on both sides had a hard time catching the ball for whatever reason. Uh, but the one where Malik uh, dropped back up pressure from, I think, Henniger and just threw it up for grabs. And I think it was Shaq Bond who got the pick. Right, where are you going? Like, what are you doing with that? Just there was me- no one in the area. Yeah, oh, there Yeah. There was three defenders. There was, well, there were three guys in the area, but they're all Utah State football <laughs> they players. They were in the wrong jersey. And I think, like, I, if I remember right, I think it was Andre Grayson who was near it. And you see Andre Grayson, like, just kind of stop and look at it and just watch it fall in Shaq's hands and look back at Malik Henry like, what in the world were you throwing that to? Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a great job by Justin Enna. Nevada had one first down in the first half. It was on the opening drive. They didn't have another one the rest of the first half. Now, they did pick up two in the first drive of the second half. Or sorry, their first drive, yeah, of the second half. But, man, they could not get going offensively. Give a lot of credit to Coach Enna and the defensive staff and the players for making adjustments. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a great defensive game for Utah State. Offensively, uh, getting into the red zone and not getting touchdowns every time. Against a Nevada defense, it isn't that great. Yeah. So some of it was dropped passes. There were way too many of those oh, by the wide receivers lots. and tight ends. Oh. So it makes Jordan Love, Jordan Love's numbers look worse. And some people will look only at the stat line and say, oh, it was garbage. Yeah. He didn't have his best game, 
But it didn't help when he had guys consistently dropping passes that were easy to catch. Yeah. Right there. Now, and that's absolutely right. I would totally 100% agree with that. On the other side, though, Jordan's got to step and make a throw, right? I mean, step inside the pocket and just let it rip. The kid's got an arm. We all know that. If you take one good, you know, uh, maybe a three-step hitch, one step up, and then let it rip, it's going to get there. I think Sioso Mariner was open on a couple. I mean, one of them, I think, was a third and six, and a hop to him. It, like, it took a one-hop grounder. Um, and the interception, that throw has been problematic throw. all year Just for Jordan. forced it. He forced it, and he should not. He, in fact, there was a couple of throws that probably should have been picked off, and he forced in bad positions. Um, but here, look, here's Jordan Love on the season. At Wake Forest, throws for 416 yards, three touchdowns. He threw three interceptions, but Utah State was in a position to win that game. Uh, against Stony Brook, 294. Uh, against San Diego State, 293. Against one of the best defenses in the country. Then he threw for 200 at, against Colorado State, 130 against LSU, 169 against Nevada. He's trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, and, and before and we... during that three-game span, he has thrown twice as many interceptions as he has touchdowns. And before we get... I mean, we are going to be called as as it is, but again, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, look, when your receivers are dropping balls, it's hard to throw it to them. Like, on a, I mean, on a, on a second and six, and it's a wide open route to, I think it was, was it Terrell or Rep? And Rep just, I mean, it, it just stone hands it, man. Like, it, it, it's hard to go out there and be like, hey, here's the ball off your hands. I got to throw it to you again. But at the same time, Jordan doesn't point fingers. He's not one to do that. It's never been in his, as no. Coach Anderson said Give today, it's true. never been about that. It's been about him wanting to get better. Now, and also, let's look at the positive side of it, Eric, with Jordan Love. His ability to create space in the running game with his legs was a huge part in opening it up for Jalen Warren and Gerald Bright because they didn't have a lot of room to run. It was, you know, it was pretty sketchy there for a little while in the running game as well. True. And so Jordan Love being able to open up the run game, I wish he'd get down a little bit quicker so he wouldn't have to take a shot. Um, but, I mean, that again, him doing that opens up the running game and allows, I mean, just expands the offense when really it just seems so tight and clunkered. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, without further ado, here is Coach Anderson today in the uh, press where this is his opening statement recapping the, uh, recapping the uh, win over Nevada. And, uh, again, a lot of high, high respect for the Air Force Falcons. As always, it's great to win. thought the kids played hard, um, you know, handled the day with a late kickoff very well. So, um, you know, defense did some uh, really good things. We knew we had to control the run game and try to get the quarterback off his mark. And we were successful in those areas, which was great to see defense. They ran to the ball, played good team defense. And, you know, offensively, we uh, – had our opportunities early and uh, didn't take advantage of them in a few spots. Had a couple balls that were dropped, a couple opportunities. We get caught up with the corner on another deep ball. Um, so we just need to you know, find a way to get our mojo a little bit early and, and make some plays and get off the field um, on defense like we did and then continually find ways to have more extended drives offensively. That's a, a big part um, of this season moving forward on offense. You know, we had too many drives or less than two minutes. I think it was 15 to 17 of the last drives in that game were 
less than two minutes. That that can't take place again, especially against this opponent that we're playing this week. Um, if that takes place, you won't win. Um, that's just the bottom line. So there's uh, prideful in the work we got to get done. We know where we're at. We all look at as coaches and players. Special teams obviously was a huge part of the game again. Field goal kicking, um, the kickoff return, save on is awesome. I uh, also commend the other kids that are on that team. Uh, that whole team is the special teams player of the week for us is that, that whole kickoff return team. Um, they, they're very prideful in what they're doing, and we have a special young man that are kicking, uh, returning the kicks when, when he gets an opportunity. So a uh, you know, huge challenge this week. Air Force, not a good team in my opinion, a great team. Um, you know, In all areas, offense, defense, special teams, offense is firing on all cylinders. Defense very opportunistic, run to the ball, play the way they've played for a number of years, and there's just a lot of a lot of really good players and uh, a heck of a scheme, which we all know. So we have our work cut out for us, and it's a great opportunity. Bottom line is this has been built up now, and the kids have made this on both sides, both teams. They've made this a big game. So congratulations to the team on both sides. It's a big football game, and um, that's why you play to get into big moments and big games. And you know we'll uh, we'll see what uh, takes place. But uh, again. I commend the kids on both sides for putting themselves in this position, and it's our job as coaches to do all we can to get them ready for uh, a big-time football game. You'll hear me say this a lot throughout the week, Eric. That Air Force game is going to be a 15-round drag-out Foreman-Ollie fight. That is going to be a absolute <laughs> physical, brutal, last-man-standing who can you know survive every single scar and bump and bruise you're going to get? That thing is going to be in the trenches. It's going to be one, um, but teams are going to have to make plays on both sides of the ball. It's that's going to be fun on Saturday night. Yeah, this Air Force team is. Oh my gosh, real. they are legit. They're for real, offensively and defensively. They've been really what well, some of the thing, games that I've seen or portions of games that I've seen featuring the Air Force Falcons is how impressed I am with them defensively. How much they get yeah. after opposing quarterbacks. Uh, physical. We all know what they can do offensively and how they do things. That their the run can come from anywhere, uh, and it'll some, sometimes it'll surprise you. And they'll run and they'll run and they'll run and they'll run. And then all of a sudden, after everybody has been moving up to stop this run that has been so tough to uh, handle, all of a sudden they'll step back and pop one over the top for seventy yards, and just a big explosive play to their uh, wide receivers. Uh, and so this is a team this year that's scoring a lot of points and uh, limiting opponents uh, as well. But I want to get back to Utah State and about this relationship with Jordan Love and his wide receivers. Because we talked about there have been there were a lot of drop passes on Saturday night. Um, there were some great returning talent a year ago that graduated and is gone. And... We were there were some question marks about what the wide receiver core would be like for Utah State this season. I think for the most part it's been pretty solid, uh, but there were some rough patches on Saturday. But Gary talked a little bit about the uh, Jordan Love and that he still has confidence in his guys. No, I think it does. I, there, there's no question, and, and Jordan is never going to be one to point any fingers anywhere. That's just not his. It's not in his DNA, which is part of what makes him so special. Um, I don't think he does that in his own mind. I don't think he does it in, in any way, shape, or form. But does it? Uh, it's, it's different, you know. It's, it's it puts a little bit of different spin on things, and uh, you don't want it to hurt your confidence. But I think we all be fooling ourselves if we sit here and say, if I'm a three throw shooter and I've missed the last ten in a row, you know, all of a sudden that 
that that the hoop looks real small, right? And so I, I think we don't want him to push in any way, shape, or form. But his guys need to pick him up, you know. And that's uh, his, his, they need to make the great plays. If you look at the Wake Forest game, it's tremendous plays. Cioc's play in the end zone pops into my brain. You know, there's been a lot of those. You have to catch contested balls, and you have to be able to make the plays when you have layups. And uh, you know, it's not just it's 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 all over. Uh, on that side is when we're when we're firing all cylinders, we're doing a good job. Guys are making plays. Well, if we're not doing it, then we need to look at ourselves and self-evaluate ourselves as coaches, self-evaluate ourselves as whatever position we're playing. Um, offensive lineman, give Jordan more time. Let's work on coaching that better and be better as a guard and a center and a tackle. And if we're dropping some balls, let's work on it as coaches and, and make sure we're practicing it the right way to give those kids the opportunity and give Jordan the opportunity to have practice feel as much like game time as it possibly can. And, uh, you know, I just, as long as I've done this, I think it's the, the most important part of the whole thing is to self-evaluate the good, self-evaluate the average, and self-evaluate the bad. And then be consistent and make sure as coaches we're giving the kids the best opportunity to be able to, you know, produce on game day. Because they all want to produce on game day. There's not one of them that goes out, jogs out of the tunnel and says, oh, I hope I play really bad today. It doesn't happen. So, um, and I think Jordan has played very well again last game. He did some really special things with his feet that opened up the run game to allow those big runs to happen. And you can watch the tape. And if you can evaluate football for what football's worth at the end and really dissect it and understand how some of those big runs hit, it's because Jordan Love pulled the ball and got those edge defenders that are playing himself and the running back um, on the edge of the defense conflicted and they made some poor decisions. And Jordan made some really good decisions on when to give it and when to uh, pull it and run. And, you know, and then obviously we have there's four big, huge plays and we can't get them back. But it doesn't mean we can't learn from them that if we make those early in that game, you know, it's a potentially a whole different feel. And if we are going to be successful um, and continue on the, on the road of being successful, that'll keep our offensive on the field, which we talked about earlier, which has to happen. Um, it'll give Jordan that mojo going where, you know, hey, I'm indestructible. I'm going to go get this thing done. And, and the offense becomes infectious on that because the spread offense, if, you, if your quarterback's feeling it, and he's spinning it and he's making those good decisions, it's a vicious, vicious weapon. And that's what we have. We have a really good quarterback and we need to do all we can to help him. Now, that's a great point that he brought up too, is as much as we were dogging on the receivers, and I guess it's, it's, it's in fair term, but they made, they've made some spectacular plays as receivers on some really tough balls to get up and get to. I think CLC Mariner, of course, that catch in the end zone against Wake Forest. There's a couple of catches against San Diego State that he went up on and the got. Sidelines. Carson Terrell has been really good. Um, and so I, I think, you know, we sometimes forget that. But at the same time, look, if you're making those catches, then be consistent making them now, right? Especially against the Nevada team, as you already pointed out, Nevada defensively is not that great. Well, that bomb in the fourth quarter to Mariner, that was spectacular. Oh my gosh. Dude, every time he dives, though, I just, oh, I close my eyes and I just pray. <laughs> I really do. I think there's one. Up, please get he, up. Yeah, please he had something similar to that earlier in the game where he dived for a catch and he missed it. And he kind of laid, kind of just like slowly no, got up. And I the... thought, no, no, CLC, get up. So I, I think there's that little bit of worry. But um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's. It's on Jordan. Sometimes he holds it just a little bit sure. long. No, yeah, he does. Uh, but it's also on the wide receivers too. When the ball's there, bring it in. Do you know who we're not talking about though? Which and and this is rightfully so in this regards of concern. The offensive line. I feel like they've been so good. Great Eric. point. I think the offensive line, and that was one of our biggest concerns yes. coming in. Is yep. we lost so many guys. What do you think they're going to do? How are they going to be able to handle this? And then any. 
uh, and he caught went down. You were just as, just as worried, but boy, this this offensive line's really held their own against some of the best. Big time credit to Coach Woods. Yeah, but also I think you have to give a lot of credit to what happened last year with the big leads that Utah State was able to get, and you got a lot of guys in that had a lot of quality snaps that didn't count against their red shirt, yeah. against their eligibility because they got the four games of red shirt. And so that really helped in a lot of their development. But uh, give big time credit to that uh, coaching staff for that uh, offensive line. Because you're right, that they have been solid. They've been very good. Somebody else who was solid and was everywhere, Andre Grace. <laughs> Holy cow. That guy, he had an interception, got taken away because of a penalty. But that guy had an amazing game. Yeah, I'm looking up his, uh, his stat right now. His night was this. Uh, he had nine total tackles, eight of them were sold. He had a sack, two tackles for a loss, totaling 14 yards, and two forced fumbles. Three pass breakups. And three pass breakups. Thank you. He didn't. And he had an interception that okay, got so he did have taken an away because, right, of, got taken because away. of penalty. That's right. It got taken away. That's right. That's right. Thank you. But what a night. Yeah. For uh, Andre Grayson. Man, impressive stuff. So, needless to say, he was at the podium today in his presser. Overall, I think that our defense played um, fast and had fun. I mean, of course, the aspect of knowing your assignment and being locked in is the, is important, but the fun and playing fast is also a big part of it, and I think that we did that pretty well, and it, the plays made themselves when we were just going full speed and nonstop and making sure that we knew what we were doing. Uh, he's pretty humble, pretty direct. Uh, not a big talker. Yeah, it's we, not me. That's, I mean, that's how, that's the majority of his press comments, by the way. It's we, not me. Uh, he also talked about, it was kind of interesting, like, you see where Andre Grayson is now? And, P, and some people ask, well, where was he last year? And he talks about, Al asked a great question, his transition from last year to now. Yeah, um, my transition, I just kind of focused more, started to focus more, you know, Last year, going into fall camp, I actually was like in a playing role, and I was starting, and then I ended up not. I ended up way on, down on the depth chart, and that was a that was an internal thing, and I just had to really realize that I had to focus. You know, I worked more with my teammates. I took better advice. Um, I listened more. I just keyed in more, you know, and working with my teammates was a big part. Like, I, I get advice from DJ all the time. You know, I talk to him a lot because he, he, he has a lot of knowledge, and he understands, and He's confident and humble and everything. So just taking from my teammates and building my confidence back up through them has been a big part of it. I think that secondary has been improving for USU. Early in the game, it looked scary. Like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Here's an opponent that's going deep and USU is getting burned. But they made some adjustments and that was not there anymore the rest of the game. So... um, the, the USU secondary was one of those other units that we had questions about and have continued to have some questions about, but we know that they've been working on things. We know it's being addressed. And Ajay, I, I feel like they are getting better game to game, week to week. I don't know that they're necessarily going to be a strength of the defense, but I don't know that it's going to be as big of a, um, what's the right word I'm looking for, a much of a hindrance or... Um, a problem for the defense as maybe it was earlier in the year. No, I, I think that there's 
they could still get better, obviously, but I think they have grown and improved quite a bit. And they've made some adjustments with lineups and with personnel, but uh, they've been getting better. And I've been really pleased to see how that secondary has been been playing so far. Yeah, look at the improvement, as you mentioned, from week one to, to where we are. Where are we in week eight? Week seven, week eight, something like that. Um, and it really is. It's impressive. And uh, I think you had to just kind of trust the defensive back or trust those guys, trust the coaching staff that they make the adjustments necessary against whatever opponent it is, and they'll continue to make adjustments to, to try and get better. Look, I mean, every opponent's going to be different. Wake Forest is different from uh, San Diego State, and LSU is different from Nevada. That's just how it is. So you got to make adjustments with lineups and such, and and then that's the case here. Um, I the, the thing is, is consistency. Consistency. And when I speak of consistency, I mean like playmaking, especially – Look, against Air Force, they do so many things, and they do them all extremely well. They are efficient, they are ho-hum, and they are very fundamentally sound. They don't make a lot of mistakes, and they're not going to let you take advantage of those mistakes either. And so, if you can be sound and disciplined in playing assignment football versus Air Force, you give yourself a chance. But it is hard to do that when you become impatient, which again, against this team in Air Force, they thrive on defenses being impatient. That's when they just... They go right after you. And uh, I, I feel like if if these kids can just kind of keep themselves steady, keep each other steady, then, then they have a shot to be able to make some plays against Air Force and put them in a hole early. Speaking of adjustments, there is an adjustment in special teams. I know I didn't, I didn't tell you to load this one up. This is my bad. But Gary Anderson, instead of going with Pierce McAllister or Pierce Callister, he goes with uh, Chris Bartulik. Is it Bartulik? Is that what his Bartulik, name is? Bartulik, yep. So I didn't know he wasn't punting until like midway through the third. And I look up the screen and I'm like, that's not Pierce. And so I went to the uh, I went to to Doug Hoffman. I said, hey, uh, who's punting? He goes, that's Chris Bartolik. I'm like, when did they make the switch? He goes, before the game. <laughs> he was punting all game. And long. so and I had no idea. And so, anyways, uh, yeah, and Bartolik was great, but the question to Anderson was, why the switch? You know, Chris came in and did a good job, and it, it's a little bit, uh, you know, they're, they're competing like every position when you go back through and see um, exactly the game plan, what fits, what the situation is, and it was uh, it was Chris's time. He did a nice job last week, and Pierce has done some good things, which we know also, so um, it goes back and forth a little bit, uh, I suppose, with, uh, with Coach Collins. They both have opportunities to kick during the week, and Coach Collins felt that it was obviously Chris's opportunity this last week, and, and he took advantage of it, which was good to see. Yeah, he had some really good punts. Seven punts, 281 yards. That's not good. Look, Chris, we love you. We think you're a good guy, but we don't want to see you on the field. Right. <laughs> and, and seven the, the punts. The punter is, is the much. guy we don't want to talk about. In fact, the last time we had it, we changed punters. We went to Callister. It was the San Diego State. He punted six or seven times. So, like, we, and, and you, want, you just want to avoid it at all cost, if possible. I thought it was interesting going back to one of Gary Anderson's comments. He said 15 of 17 drives were less than two minutes. Interesting. And that's something that's end. going to change. Interesting, huh? He says we've got to be able to be uh, keep our offense on the field longer. And I love what you said in the pre-prep when we talked about this, Eric. And please tell our listeners why. Oh, well, this Air Force team is going to hold the ball for forever. Yeah. Your defense is going to be out there forever. And you come out there, if maybe by chance you get a stop. Your offense comes out, three quick plays or quick play offense, and you're back off the field. And after a minute, minute and a half, your defense hasn't even had a chance to catch their breath. 
Yeah. It, uh, it'll be brutal. It'll yeah. be maybe you could get away with it uh, against some other opponents, but against Air Force, it'll be devastating. Yeah, you cannot be any more right. Like if you go out there and say Air Force uses a six and a half, seven and a half minute drive to get a field goal out of it, and then you go out there and go three and out in thirty five seconds, you punt it. They, honest to heaven, they will do it. They will use the the. They'll use six minutes and forty five seconds to go forty yards. Possessions will be. At they a premium. don't care if they get a field goal out of it. They will eat the clock, and then get a field goal out of it and be up six nothing. And you're into the second quarter. They'll do it, and they'll do it happily. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, yes. I and, and I promise you this: if they get stuck inside the five, they will do what they can to eat as much clock off. I mean, they'll they're they really have the ability to eat eight, nine, maybe twelve minutes off a clock. They have that ability, Eric, with the running game that they have this year, the passing game as well. They threw seven attempts, seven against Hawaii, and scored 56 points. They rushed the ball for 40, 30, 40-something 40 times for 300-and-something yards, or no, 200-and-something yards, high 200-and-something yards, and scored 56 points. They'll play whatever game you want to play, and they think and they have the confidence that they can beat you at it. That's what scares me so doggone bad about this Air Force Falcons team. Nevada can't do that. Nevada was no. out of this game in the first quarter after it was, after the quarter was over. Anna went to Anna probably sat there and said, "We got him right where we want him, and we know Malik Henry. Offense, just give us a couple points. We're going to win this game." Air Force is a different monster, man. Uh, last thing about Utah State football it was announced today: the kick time for Utah State when they host BYU, twelve p.m. <laughs> No. Oh. The game will be on ESPN2 on November 2nd, and the kickoff will be at 8 o'clock. Third straight week for an 8 o'clock or later for Utah State football. Yeah, I do. And by the way, I don't... Well, I guess Fresno, let's see. Air Force home, BYU. So yeah, Fresno's at 5. So 4 o'clock here, or no, 6 o'clock here. And then, or whatever that is. And then Wyoming... Could possibly be an eight o'clock game too. Yeah, we don't know the kick time for that one yet. Boise's at eight thirty, and New Mexico's at two. It's just brutal. So uh, plan accordingly. November second, eight o'clock here. It'll be a blackout game. Keep that in mind. The the cool black all black jerseys for Utah State fans will be encouraged to wear black as well. So stay tuned for that. But uh, let's take a step aside, AJ. There's some basketball stuff that's really cool that's happening. Oh, last thing about Utah State football. Uh, as I did mention, they did receive one vote in the coaches' poll this year. Uh, excuse me, this week, San Diego State is effectively ranked 28th in the poll. Uh, San Diego State uh, that that win over the Aztecs is looking better and better all the time for USU. All right, uh, when we come back, let's talk about some Utah State basketball. They're in one of the polls that came out. The AP preseason basketball poll is out. Where do the Aggies rank? And some opponents that they have on the schedule, are they ranked? We'll discuss next on the Full Court Press. Win a 65-inch 4K flat-screen TV from Lens Audio Video in the Preps Pick'em Contest. Presented by The Logo Shop. Sign up to play at 1069thefan.com. Pick the weekly winners of each high school game, and you could win one of 11 weekly prizes and be entered to win the grand prize TV. Go to 1069thefan.com, and you could win. It's the Preps Pick'em Contest on Sports Talk Radio 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, and Andre Salveson, AP Top 25 poll came out today. Utah State coming in at number 17, Ajay. First time in the preseason poll since 1970-71 season. Does that surprise you? Stu Morrill was never, never had a team that was a preseason Top 25 team. Yeah, yeah it stuns me. That There's a lot of things about the Stu Morrill era that stunned me. So that's, that's one of the very long list items, Eric. Only third... Time in history, Utah State has come into the season as an AP Top 25 member. But you know what they also don't happened talk in about? 1960 and 61. You no, know they don't talk about us. What we're not really talking about, though, is the teams that are in there that are ranked as well who are facing us. You're right. Uh, Utah State will have a game against Florida. Number six. That'll be in late December. They will uh, also play against LSU in. Uh, Number in Jamaica. Where are they? Number twenty second. Second, and they'll have a game at St. Mary's, who is ranked twentieth. St. Mary's is going to be a dogfight. Look, they are ticked, livid about that twenty two beatdown that they got on neutral court. I remember uh, hearing a story about the coach after he looked up at the scoreboard. The Big Tron shook his head and said, "What the bleep just happened?" <laughs> and I heard it was about a fifteen minute wait for the media to be able to get him out of the locker room. That he lit his team up. They'll be ready to go in St. Mary's, California this come up, uh, upcoming season. No, no other Mountain West school in the poll or even getting votes. So big time uh, recognition for Utah State coming into the into the season, which begins uh, when the, you get an exhibition game October 30th? Yes. And yep. then the regular season getting away early November. <sighs> Let's do it. I can't wait. So... Uh, I'm not surprised to see them at, at 17. Um, there were some projections that had them as a top 15, but the 17 seems right to me. I think that's about uh, what you would expect for what they've done. Yeah, absolutely. All right, have a great night, everybody. More for uh, Utah State and Air Force coming up throughout the week here on the Full Court Thanks. Press.